Welcome to Stream Watch, you feel free to dive into those massive movie failures that we hate to love. Each week, we look at a movie that either we or our guests love, but society shames them for. We peek in each nook and cranny for every bright spot, keeping the public at bay while watching these movies like the miracles that they are. I am Kenny Madison, Chief Archivist of FlatFilms.com, also known as ShameWatch. Uh, you can find us at Patreon.com slash ShameWatch. Uh, across from me is... Aaron Salinas, Tabibir, all-around snuggly guy, uh, and uh, I'm I'm pr happy to be here. Excellent, wonderful. And across from him is Olivia Slap and Suarez. I am Shame Watch's social media manager and co-host of this season's Shame Watch TV That's on right. The Bachelor Presents. Listen to your heart. Season finale coming up this week, yo. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, folks, would you like to take a trip? Yes. I love, well, I mean, given our current circumstances, as long as it's safe. Well, uh, unfortunately, yeah, uh, you might be a little bit disappointed because we're going down with love. Ah, uh, uh, I like that. That's good. Sneaky, sneaky uh, guy. Today our film is the 2003 uh, cinematic masterpiece, Down With Love, directed by Peyton Reed. Starring Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. I'm super jazzed to be bringing this movie to the podcast, a movie that I have felt guilty about watching. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It was, this was my first time watching it, and I didn't know what to expect, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, awesome. So neither one of you have seen this movie uh, before. That's correct. I, I would have been nine when it came out, and then it was just under my radar from then on. I, I'd never, I'd never heard of this film. Yeah. Which is strange because I like Pillow Talk, which, which is a movie it was based off of. Yes. But never, never seen this one. Uh, nor have I seen. I, I have not seen Pillow Talk either, Olivia. No, I haven't. Uh, I'm I'm only familiar with just this film, and I really need to go to the Rock Hudson Doris Day uh, rom coms that this is based off of because Down with Love is uh, very much aping the style of 1960s zany. What's the term that I saw? No sex, sex comedies. Yeah, uh, which is what? just absolutely delightful. And this film released opposite Matrix Reloaded in May of 2003. <laughs> And absolutely bombed because you watch this movie. I, the thing that I'm just constantly flummoxed by with this movie is just going, how, how in the world did this movie get made? Period. It's, it's absolutely insane. Oh. What do you guys, what do you guys oh think? Oh my gosh. I, so it was funny. I, my parents, uh, they safely went to go um, out to a winery this afternoon. So it was just me and my youngest sister and I go, hey, Sabrina, like, I'm going to watch this film. Maybe it's okay for you to watch it. But then she was just, like, half asleep. And I just kind of checked, like, the parental – this is this is embarrassing, but I checked, like, the parent's guide. And then I saw, nope, nope, she, like, definitely could not watch this movie. And I understood why. Like, I, I guess just because it, she's still kind of relatively young for a lot for a 15-year-old to kind of – Take in. Yeah, for sure. Um, what 
this is gonna be dumb, but does uh, hey, Aaron? Powers? Hey, huh? Aaron, don't yeah. talk about my friend like that. No, not me. The, the idea I had might sound a little dumb. Hey, Aaron. Kenny, that's thirty bucks, buddy. How I I didn't. Say you just put I, yourself down. I, I did it. I no self-deprecating. I, I said the idea. Aaron? Okay, Aaron. charity. <laughs> We can do our local food bank. Okay. Central Texas Food Bank of Central Texas. This is this idea might be dumb. I think I'm very smart and handsome. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um does uh Austin Powers try to do the no sex sex comedy bits here and there? I mean, it definitely has sex. It's so much more lurid than this movie, uh, but it's definitely aping that very, very campy style, the very sixty right. style. Okay, because I, I appreciate it, and part of me, like during some parts, I was like, "This just kind of reminds me of Austin Powers." But, but anywho, um, I I never seen it, and then when we start off with the year is now nineteen sixty three, I was like, ah. Oh. Oh. You take yourself seriously, and you know you're serious is silly. I appreciate that very much. It's, it, it, it's yeah. so good, right? Right? I love the intro. It's marvelous. It's outstanding. It's lovely. Starting uh, off with the 1960s, 20th century Fox logo, and then saying that it's presenting in CinemaScope, and the colors are just wonderful. It's just top to bottom. This movie is marvelous. It's a miracle that it got made, and it was such a colossal bomb. Uh, that its director kind of got put in director jail for a long time. Really? Yeah, really? But we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, okay. Yeah. You should probably add some context, right, folks? Uh, I see no reason to. Cool. Uh, then let's just skip over it. General thoughts. Kenny, uh, no, no. hit me with that context, Kenny. Cool. So one of the things that we like to do is add a little bit of context about why someone might feel a little bit of shame about the movies that we talk about in this segment that we like to call The Context. Aaron, cue the theme song. Oh, that was good! You knew where I was going! Thank you! <laughs> Could have thrown it over to the professional musician, but instead I threw it to Aaron to take care of the music. The guy who got casted in musicals, but uh, they decided to dub over his voice and said musical. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's their loss. Amen, sister. Thank you. Uh, you're just great. I have no words. Uh, in a review, in a review title, <laughs> Walk Away, Renee. Ooh. The review is titled Walk Away, Renee, by David Edelstein of Slate.com, published May 16, 2003, at 4.13 p.m. So, Olivia, Aaron, please uh, note date and time. 4.13, gotcha. Camp was once a subversive mode, a way for gays to appropriate the norms that popular culture had peddled in the two decades after World War II. By appropriate, I mean both mock and half-embrace, since there was something, a strong element of wish fulfillment in their loving recreations. Today, I'm not sure what the hell camp means. The above paragraph is inspired by the heterosexual drag show Down With Love. 
directed by Peyton Reed. It's an attempt to remount an early 60s Doris Day Rock Hudson picture like Pillow Talk or Lover Come Back, only with a score that underlines and adds three exclamation points to every absurd posture. Someone gets an idea and the triangle goes ding. Uh, Aaron added ding sound effect right there. Ding! Thank you. Down with Love is a smirky reproduction meant to make its audience feel more evolved. Now, there is some pleasure to be had from such a skillful smirky reproduction. The camera moves in on the pre-World Trade Center island of Manhattan while the narrator celebrates the 8 million men and women in pursuit of the American dream. Oh, make that 8 million and one, he says, as Barbara Novak, Renee Zellweger, emerges from Grand Central Station in her pink cloak and white pillbox hat. The small-town heroine, it turns out, has written a book called Down With Love, which argues both for women's equality in the workplace and for the right to adopt a casual attitude toward premarital sex, just like men. The premise attracts the attention and scorn. A Playboy men's magazine journalist, Catcher Block, Ewan McGregor, routinely described as Catcher Block ladies' man, man's man, man about town. Pressured to do a profile by his reedy, effeminate editor, David Hyde Pierce, doing a variation on Tony Randall, who also shows up in the movie. Catcher sets out to humiliate Barbara first by standing her up, and then, when her book becomes an international bestseller, pretending to be a lovelorn, bespectacled southern astronaut. The gag is that she wants to go to bed with him, but he's holding out for love, because if he can make her fall in love with him, then he can prove to the world she's not a down-with-love gal after all. All clear? I might have had a different response to Down With Love as the direction, and especially the music, had been a little less insistent if it had left a little more room for the audience's responses instead of doing all the laughing for us. The chief casualties are the good actors who are forced to turn themselves into cartoons. McGregor has the hipster's jaunty finger snap and slink down cold, so he gets by. But Sarah Paulson as Zellweger's chain-smoking editor is just shrill. Uh, and the way that Zellweger is dressed and coiffed, all you register are her alarmingly skinny new body and her puffy face. A colleague of mine complained he was getting sick of her, but why? She was wonderful in Bridget Jones's diary in Chicago. Can this movie have sabotaged her that much? And it's interesting, she won the Oscar. <laughs> Yeah, not for this movie. Not for this movie, but this this past year. She won yeah. for Judy, and Judy Garland was in this movie. I mean, like, oh, you know. Yeah. Reference yeah. to her. Like, uh, so, <laughs> here's the thing. Here we go. Here's arguments, the thing. But it, it's a movie that's a lot of fun. It's a blast. It's a blast. It's two blasts. It's three blasts. It's not slow either. I really liked how how like fast paced it is because that's one thing I don't like about movies, if especially if they're long. And this one is only about a hundred minutes, so it already gets my seal of approval. Yeah, amen. Because it 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 has a very healthy pace. Because I think uh, my roommate Jesse, she walked in on it like maybe thirty minutes in, and she was like, "Oh, what you watching?" And I told her, I was like, down with love. And she was like, oh, cool, never seen it. And we're, we're still going. And then, like, about 10 or 20 minutes later, she was like, how far is this movie in? Because I feel like I've missed a lot. I was like, it's only been 30 minutes, but you have missed a lot. Because <laughs> a lot happens in this movie. But, to a, like, you keep up with it. because, And it's going to sound silly, but because of the clothes and set pieces, 
it, it oh. kind of helped me like stay along with the film. It was and the, the fact that every costume piece was custom made for every single person. Amazing. Oof. Who the, knows? Like the production design is so good in this okay. movie. Uh, the fact that they use such a for Catcher Block's apartment, they have the fakest looking backdrop for New York, and <laughs> it works so well. It just it fits the movie so perfectly. This movie is so heightened and i i totally understand why absolutely no one went to go see this movie because who is this movie for outside of people who are like this is cool uh uh heightened movie nerds that are just willing to i don't know meet a movie on its own terms because it's just this is not naturalistic in any way yeah i i you know it's not like it's not a summer blockbuster. No, it's not for the uh, it's not for the soccer mom who gets a day to herself. It's not for the testosterone driven, uh, you know, dads. It's it's I, I it's like you said. It's for the film nerds. It's it's it's. I don't know, man. Yeah, I because I, feel I also. Like... Go ahead. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I feel like um, this film is very niche to maybe just like women in their early 20s, mid 20s. I mean, this film kind of actually spoke to me and I'll get more into that <laughs> in a little bit. This film, I feel like tailors to women in their 20s just because even though we're not exactly sure how old Barbara is, we like, I, I feel like I could just get the sense of a lot of women in that demographic kind of understanding where she's coming from in terms of um, just sex and gender norms. And especially as women, you know, they, they get further along like in dating and they kind of get an understanding of what kind of man suits them, what kind of man they like and they want to pursue. And every woman, I don't mean to hype up this stereotype, but a lot of women like a challenge. And this was definitely the movie that spoke to me on so many levels. <laughs> have you have you dated many cash or block types, Olivia? Um, I have. I have. Uh, Maybe one or two, but there's one who is very, very similar to Catcher Block. No way. And yes, and I have tried to go on Barbara's quest to <laughs> seduce and lock lock him down, and um, it it's one of those where I have a gut feeling like it could be a to be continued. That's all I'm going to say. Whoa. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> That's a Sclusi. Oh. Aaron, mark yes. that down. That's a Sclusi. Sclusi. 1920 Sclusi. <laughs> At least that's what I would like. That's how I would like for it to play out in my head. Yeah. I'm not, you know, making any assumptions at this point. I'll, I'll make assumptions. I think you've got it locked down. It's I think you got it locked. Thank you. It's forever. This is a forever love. I think so. Hey, <laughs> uh, will, will you guys grant me a sidebar? Granted. Granted. Thank you. Uh, I got to explain what shipping was uh, to my roommate. Ooh. Uh, because we were watching the, the first clip show on Community, uh, mm -hmm. where they so 
hilariously make a fake clip show uh, and they specifically have a video in the clip show which is just based off of Annie and Jeff Winger's pseudo relationship and it's specifically based off of a fan shipping video on YouTube uh, and then my roommate uh, past and future guest of the show Heidi Rogers I had to explain to her what shipping was because she'd never heard of shipping so I got to explain what what that was and that was just absolutely delightful Amazing. That's she didn't know what shipping was. No, she didn't know what shipping was. What about OTP? Oh. One true pairing. I've never heard of that one. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe it's just Tumblr talk. <laughs> Does any, is anybody still in Tumblr? Anyone? I I can't say that I am. I was back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day, but not no more. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like on currently. It's just I remember picking up on the term shipping from Tumblr and. Same. O- an OTP. So, what are what are examples of OTPs? What does that mean? Like one true pairing. So, who like two people, two characters in a show or or a movie who are destined to be together. So Han and mm. Leia, oh. Jack and Rose. You know, you name it. Ross and Rachel, even though they're kind of toxic. <laughs> um, so it's the it's the couple that is based around the will they or won't they. Yes. Kind of. Okay. Aaron okay. and Marissa Tomei. That's my oh, OTP. God. Yeah. Oh. Me and Andrew Garfield. She, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. still in the Spider Verse as well, but she's uh she's in King of Staten Island. Um and uh Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to see that movie. She's I'm the so main excited. reason I'm watching it, if I'm being real. Yeah. And- a, I love me some Tomei. I'm, I'm jazzed for it. I'm so excited that Apatow's making another movie. It's been so long since Trainwreck. I, I'm excited to see where it's going to go with uh, Davidson. Yeah, I think if anyone's able to codify yeah. Davidson into a movie star performance, it'll definitely be Apatow. Uh, sure, true. Very yeah. true. Absolutely. Olivia, are you frozen? I might be. Let okay. it go. No, you're good. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, this movie is a lot of fun. The set pieces, um, the stage design they had, they used four sound stages and built 55 uh, different sets for the entirety of this film. Jeez, for a rom-com that feels like a lot. Yeah, for a film that brought in $35 million. How much? How much was the budget? Thirty. Uh. And it gives some some strong La La Land vibes. It wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if La La Land, you know, got some in- inspo from here. Um, but man, it did not have that La La Land crowd, and it, it's a shame because it's this film had just showcases so many talents. It's just so much fun. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Yes. So in the pocket. Oh, badass babe. She's so good. She's so... Everyone's just in the pocket for this movie. Everyone is uh, their best. Period. Even a handful of SNL characters that make make appearances. Oh, yeah. Rachel Dratch. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Playing Ethel, uh, the spinster that's not going to get married. Um, (laughs) 
Chris Parnell is the uh, talk show host. It's a talk show, right? Yeah, yeah. I just kept thinking of his 30 Rock character, Dr. Leo Spichemin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But this is a... I, I was curious to know if they intended this to be a stage play, because I got strong stage play vibes for this. Uh, I, I don't know the genesis of this film at all. I, I do know that Peyton Reed has a predilection for 1960s aesthetics. Um, here's, so, like I said earlier, he was put in director's jail because this movie performed so poorly. Uh, Y'all might be familiar with Peyton Reed's previous effort, uh, Bring It On. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Classic. Yeah. Um, And then he makes this movie after Bring It On. Uh, And then the next movie that he makes is The Breakup, Yes Man, and directs a lot of TV. uh, And then in 2015, he gets pulled up to blockbuster status by directing Ant-Man. Uh, yeah, he, Edgar Wright gets fired off, or Edgar Wright leaves, don't know exactly what the real story is, but, uh, Edgar Wright and Marvel part ways on Ant-Man, and Peyton Reed steps in with eight weeks to go to the start of production, having to basically start from scratch. Uh, And kills it, kind of. I like Ant-Man. I did not like Ant-Man as much whenever I saw it at first because just the idea of an Edgar Wright superhero movie is just the absolute best. But I think that movie has improved with time, uh, with distance away from all of that drama. I like Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. Hmm? Socially distancing from drama. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I'm in such a good mood. Ain't no drama over here. Yeah, so Peyton Reed was just kind of not a person that anyone was willing to turn to. Uh, he had a pitch for the Fantastic Four that I learned from Blank Check uh, around this time that was going to be set in the 60s. I think with an aesthetic that was very similar to this film and because of Down With Love, he wasn't able to make his Fantastic oh, Four movie. That's that's a shame. So was this the Fantastic Four that was eventually rebooted? The one with Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller? And- no, it was even, uh, it was before the Jessica Alba Fantastic Four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Evans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could have gone with Chris Evans, but the one that I went for is uh, Jessica Alba. You know, those- <laughs> Two big Fantastic Four stars, Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis. You know. <laughs> Love the shield. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, because 03, they're trying to catch fire with, because X-Men came out and Spider-Man's out. So they're trying to trying to drum up some more. Yeah. So I, I could have seen Fantastic Four slipping in there. But man, that just sucks because this movie's fun. It's, and it's so much it's fun. got like a lot of like graphic novel and comic book campiness and character to it. So I would oh, have loved to see his take on on Fantastic Four. Yeah, 
Can we talk about the split screens and especially that oh. one scene? Oh. <laughs> the no sex scene? I'm oh, dead. So good. I'm dead. Olivia, for the listener, will you explain what the heck you're talking about? It's, okay. it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So I'm going to try to explain this in the cleanest way possible in case my parents are listening. Basically, uh, Catcher Block and Barbara Novak are in the middle of a phone call. And they, I think this is when Catcher is still under his like pseudonym Zip Martin, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they're having a conversation about meeting up and, oh no, I don't know. I think this was more toward the beginning when he he kept standing her up. (laughs) Regardless, they're having a phone conversation and usually every time they were on the phone, there would be a split screen. So you could see what was going on in Catcher's world and you could see what was going on with Barbara. And in this particular scene, uh, Barbara is in the place she's staying at and catcher is he at his house or his office. Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's at, at a home. swank gadget filled apartment. Which <laughs> by the way, no journalist makes that kind of money. <laughs> Just that. So they're having this phone conversation and the split screen returns, but they're doing activities that would suggest when the, the split screen has them come together, that they are engaging in several different sexual positions <laughs> it's interesting and it was kind of amusing <laughs> like i could see like in, in terms of creativity it really this is like the best example of like a no sex sex comedy yeah. that i did yeah. quite some time uh for lack of a classier reference it's very much of an austin powers type yeah visual gag but it's it's so funny and raunchy and sanitized at the same time. It's, it's yeah. absolutely hilarious. Uh, like even down to her affirmatives, it's just saying, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no, like, you know, uh, there's no Sally orgasm screaming, like, in Harry Met, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> it's except just that, actual responses, yeah. Uh, like, except yeah. that. After that phone call is done, that whenever they're both finished, they both just pull a cigarette out of nowhere <laughs> and they just start smoking. And you the smoke, know, because that's what you do. And the smoke the goes to too. camera, <laughs> and then it does a smoke fade into their date, which is just—it's—it's it's the absolute best. Uh, I was kind of hesitating about bringing this movie to the podcast because I think it's—it's it's developed kind of a cult following in subsequent years just because you watch this movie and it's clear that they're just trying so hard. Like, like I, I felt like genuinely shameful about even thinking about talking about it just because this movie is so earnest and goofy and over the top. It's kind of like a, kind of like a D- Disney channel original movie, but with, with sex. Yeah, with yeah. sex. It's it's an adult version of that. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I see Disney that. Channel. Yeah. Down <laughs> it it's it's Yeah, it's kind of camp and like I remember when I had like looked up like the uh like some of the tidbits on IMDb 
I, you know, one of the first things I saw in there was this is not for the casual moviegoer. This is just something that's, that's high energy, that's fun, that, you know, if you, if you want to play along and be along for the ride, you know, you, you can't just, you know, jump into this just for funsies. Like, you have to kind of get an idea of what you're getting into. And, and I see that, like, what, do you know the release date on this, Kenny? Because I surely hope it wasn't, like, a November or a, a summer release. The worst time uh, for a movie like this, May 2003, opposite oh. The Matrix Reloaded. And it was in the middle of May, because usually what happened, at least back then, is that you would have a big early May blockbuster release, and then you wouldn't have another high-profile release until the end of May. So this movie was kind of released in the dead zone of, of May, and then not only that, but how do you how do you sell this to a normal crowd? Yeah, it's hard to uh, market a little bit. It, it's kind of laughing at the 1960s, but not entirely. It's kind of going, this is great, but also look at all of these dated antiquities, but also look at how classy it is. It's kind of having its cake and eating it too. Man, this thing was just set up to fail me. <laughs> I feel bad because it's yeah. this, this movie is so cute. I really like it. But again, I have shame for watching this movie because there were some parallels between some of the characters and my life. <laughs> so I also <laughs> enjoyed it for that reason. But yeah, what's not what's not to love about this movie? This is the first movie that Renee Zellweger does post-Chicago as well. Whoa! Yeah. Man, and, and the, the cast, cast with this, too, is there's a lot of... Hold on, I wrote it down. Okay, Aaron wrote this down. I said, uh, uh, this is the most I-know-them movie I, I've seen in a while, because there was a a great cast of early 2000s SNL. Uh, you have Niles from uh, uh, Frasier. Frasier. Um, like, I, I love, I'm going to stop you cold, Aaron. Because I love, <laughs> I love David Hyde Pierce in this movie. So, so good. He's, he's so <laughs> funny in this movie. He is just perfect. It's just wonderful. Give him an Oscar. Give him four Oscars for this movie. What happened to him? Where'd he go? I don't know. He deserved a Golden Globe for this movie. Yeah. I, I loved him in Frasier. I thought he was some of the best parts of, if not the best part of Frasier. I wouldn't be surprised if he's just doing theater uh, and oh, just living yeah. off of his Frasier residuals. I mean, I would do that. It's true. <laughs> Like, because uh, he did Hellboy. Hey, shame watch residuals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, which Hellboy did he do? The first one. He played Abe Sapien. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, looking at his Wikipedia uh, around this time, he started doing more theater, and he just seems like he's been working on the stage since then, which is rad. Makes sense. You do you, man. All like, right. he's, he's, he's really great in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then pairing him with Sarah Paulson, just a stroke of genius. Uh, Sarah Paulson before she became kind of the juggernaut that she is. 
now. Yeah. Uh, just so in the pocket. Aaron, I'm going to unstop you cold. You can keep talking. No, Starting, I really just wanted, no. I just really wanted to talk about Pierce. Like I, I've, I've always loved him. Like in anything he does, why I want more, but I mean, like you said, I mean, he's just doing what makes his heart happy and, and he's killing it doing his own thing. So, I mean, is he doing uh, theater in stateside or London? Uh, great question. Let me pull it back up. And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> David Hyde Pierce, come on the pod. Yeah, come on the pod. You know you want to. You know you want to. Uh, he's so hilarious in Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. He's just great. Uh, contrary to what Olivia says about David Hyde Pierce regularly. <laughs> just every pre-episode, she's just, God, I can't stand Pierce. Yeah, he really swayed me in this movie. Uh, <laughs> David Hyde Pierce, more like David Stay Hidden Pierce. <laughs> David Hyde Pierce, my ears. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question if the court will permit me. You are permitted. And, and I'm really sorry if this, uh, if she wants to come on the pod later um, and then this, she listens to this, but I, I don't, I don't get Selweger. I, I'm not, I don't know if it's, the, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's just, I, I'm not sure. Sh- there's something about her that I'm just like, eh. Renee? She's, yeah. And I know she's she's UT Austin Pride, but at the same time, I'm just um, like, eh, I don't. What 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 doesn't work for you? Is it just I, some intangible thing? Yeah, it's she's just I'm indifferent to her. It's not like you know with Drew Barrymore, I have a reason to you know not like her. <laughs> but um, for Zellweger, it's just I don't know. Like when I'm watching her, I'm just like, I mean, they could have found someone else, right? And I know, like, she's very successful. Like, she's coming off Chicago. Yeah. She's, you know, she's got an Oscar. Uh, her, she had a somewhat coherent Oscar speech. There's a lot to like about her. But there's, just, I, like, every time I'm watching, I'm like, all right, going to like her this time. And then halfway, she's- I'm just like, really? Nobody else. Like, I love her as Dorothy, though, in, in Jerry Maguire. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. She's wonderful in Jerry Maguire. She's to me, she's kinda like Italian bread from Subway. That's fine. Italian bread's fine. But there's also Italian herbs and cheese that she could get. Or, you know, get a little crazy with a flatbread. Or, hey, let let's feel for some wheat. But you you got Italian. Okay. Fine. And I don't know why. It's fine. Italian sure. bread's fine. No, so I get it's just, it. I get it. If, like, if, if the court will permit me permitted. Permitted. to play this mental exercise with uh, Aaron, if not Renee Zellweger, who I think is absolutely in the pocket, one of her best performances that I've seen, period. She knows exactly what this movie is. If not Renee, then who else can you slot into the role of, uh, of of Barbara Novak slash uh, spoiler alert, uh, Nancy Brown. In two thousand three, yeah, 
that, that's the tricky thing. I, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'd have to take a look at some some pieces around there. Um, people coming off to mind is, uh, and this this isn't fair because it was his counterpart in Moulin Rouge. But what's her face from Moulin Rouge? Nicole Kidman. Kidman. There we go. Yeah. I don't think so. I was thinking maybe like Rachel McAdams, a little bit. I might okay. be a little too premature with that. She does do because that's comedy. before she. Yeah, this is I think before Mean Girls and The Notebook. I'm trying to think of who else could have done this because Julia Roberts is I think a little too serious. Uh, just to be uh, simple, Catherine Zeta Jones is also in Chicago and yeah. Would- potentially give Justice Hammy a performance in this movie as Renee Zellweger. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Zellweger does great. She really does. But at the same time, I'm just like, ah, just, you could have gotten them Italian herbs and cheese. Like, it's just, there's just something uh, like it to me. It, it always, it feels kind of like she's either too in the zone and it makes it feel like she's holding back. I don't, there's, there's something, I don't know. There's something I'm just, I, I want more is what I think I want. I, I like her. How, how much more? I feel like she's already at a 10 in this movie. Yeah, I think she's like totally honed in this whole movie. Like she knows it's campy. She knows it's over the top and she's she, like really embracing it. If she dials it up anymore, she's going to feel like Miley Cyrus on Hannah Montana. It, it's, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know. I think it's something in my own head where I'm like, oh, it's Renee. Okay. That's, yay, Renee. Uh, come on. Give me a little something else. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just I'm in my own head about it. She right. gives an all-star performance. I love, like I said, this movie is a barrel of fun. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I don't know. Every time I see Renee, I'm just like, eh. What do you think of Ewan? Uh, oh, Obi-Wan? Yeah, Obi Wan. Sorry. Yeah, what do you think of Obi Wan <laughs> uh, playing Ketra Black, playing Major Zip Martin, uh, the name of which he gets from the dry cleaner that he visits while picking up his boss's dry cleaning? Uh, my exact uh, note was Obi Wan. Obi Wan was char- taking a quick break uh, from Anakin. <laughs> um, my my exact note was. Obi-Wan is so charming, I get why men are trash. Um, because <laughs> he's a he's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. And I I get it. Oh. Men are trash. <laughs> oh my god. He, his character just uh, it just reminded me of too many just oh like <laughs> I'm so glad you understand the struggle of what we women go through. (laughs) Like, to to go into this circus of a plot just to prove that you're right and to get sex on the side as well, sex on the cart. God, you suck. (laughs) This is, you're awful. But at the same time, you're doing great. <laughs> your, your character, your character work is great. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, problematic, but... <laughs> but your character work and character development is so good. And I, the little nuances that he does. and I, Say what you want. I think 
carrying that accent and then, you know, throwing in Lash with his Irish accent. Scottish. Or Scottish, excuse me. Throwing that in there, that had to have been very difficult. Yeah. (laughs) To go from a southern draw to just slip in a single word in in your native language, in your native accent, and then dip back into it. That's tough, man. Not even his... Just not even his native accent. He's having to do it in an English accent because he's he's so Scottish. Oh uh, man! Uh, for the listener that has not seen this movie, we meet Catherine Block, who is a writer at No Magazine. At the beginning of the movie, he's looking for Nazi rocket scientists. You know that are hiding out, and he ends up finding them at a luau uh, at Cocoa <laughs> Beach. I mean, <laughs> this movie's insane. <laughs> also, can we talk about? I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before, but as a former journalist who was not paid a lot of money, I understand that it was journalism was a hot commodity back in this time. But man, what I would give to have an office like that and live <laughs> in an apartment like that. I mean, shoot, what kind of journalism job do you have? You got to work at the know, man. And then you get a hidden bar with a $6,000 telescope and uh, a mattress that pulls out from the, uh, from the couch. God, that, that apartment was so oh, cool. So cool. Just the, just the absolute best. Uh, I just love gadgets. Uh, Same. In general... Definitely a catcher block type in that regard. Uh, my favorite episodes of Home Improvement were always the men's version of some room in the house, the men's bathroom, uh, the man's bedroom, the man's... <laughs> I don't know other rooms that would need to be manified. Those are always my favorite episodes of Home Improvement. Uh, put that down. That's a scholarly analysis. Uh, and make <laughs> sure that you write that down in the time code. Got it. Uh, 4603, uh, Kenny likes manly rooms. That's true. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Patreon content. Yeah, Patreon content. Your your favorite man gadgets. Uh, this uh, so much fun. It it's. I this movie made me appreciate the behind the scenes stuff even more because I know how much time and effort went into all of that. And to to be honest, to only do it with a thirty million dollar budget, kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those clothes were gorgeous. Yes, oh, the colors, oh, the colors were so beautiful. So beautiful. And then I also loved even the, like, even the soundtrack, like, in the scene where Catcher is getting ready and then Barbara's getting ready and it's two different versions of Fly Me to the Moon. And you have Frank's version. And then you have, I don't know the artist who was singing the female the female who was singing climbing to the moon. Yeah. But it was a really good just clash, but it also meshed very well. I don't know if that made sense, but Absolutely. So, no, so good. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I even liked Ewan's dan- dancing <laughs> during yeah. the montage where it's just kind of, and then uh, have you, have you guys, uh, are you familiar with, I, I think the YouTube channel is every frame of painting. I've heard of it, never seen a lot of it. Uh, there, there's a YouTube video uh, 
that is specifically not to keep bringing up Edgar Wright, uh, but how Edgar Wright does comedy, how he's able to visualize comedy, and he's able to pack the frame so densely with so many jokes. There are so many jokes in transitions and sound design. Uh, and the example that they juxtapose it against is the Paul Feig movie, The Heat, where they, well, they juxtapose The Heat, which is a cop comedy with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy uh, that's supposed to be super funny. And they also juxtapose that against my second favorite movie of all time, Hot Fuzz. And they juxtapose it with something that is pretty much the same, which is one cop going to another town. And uh, the Edgar Wright one is just a whole bunch of quick cuts, mundane uh, scenery, watching cell phone bars go down and you find out how fast or how out of his element uh, Simon Pegg's character is, as opposed to what happens to Heat, which is basically just kind of generic B-roll shots of just watching a car go from this city to another city. And one of the things to bring it around is that Down With Love is trying so hard to try and put as much wit and humor in every single second of this movie. The script itself is so dense. Uh, the language has so much going on. Uh, all of the double entendres. Like, I was just trying to catch all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a lot. That's a big effort to try and keep up with them, because that was a there, lot going on. There were a lot, but I was, I was <laughs> always entertained. <laughs> uh, at the end of the movie there are two competing magazines uh, No Magazine K-N-O-W and Now Magazine written by Barbara Novak <laughs> and the line that Ketra Block says uh, when applying to be a secretary uh, then you should know now that no things are a lot oh my gosh let me try this here we go then you should know now that no things are a lot like they are now we have to interview every applicant for every job so do you want so, and so, oh my gosh. And so do you or you'd be going against now's definition of discrimination. You wouldn't want the readers of now or no to know that now, would you? Oh my gosh. The wordplay is so much fun. When she's giving it's up so herself and, and giving up her plan In, and she goes into that, what, five minute listing? Not even a monologue. It's just her listing her, her plan. It's like a three yeah. and a half minute one shot where the camera, I don't, if the camera is pushing in, it's so imperceptible. Where the camera just lingers on Renee Zellweger as she literally just delivers three and a half minutes of exposition without cutting to Ewan McGregor. It's so unshowy. It's amazing. You're kind of exhausted. And, and you're laughing at the same time as like, when are we going to get a break? Like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> She's still going. <laughs> you know what it was like? It was like, instead of a record scratch, you're probably wondering how I got here. But without that, just kind of, this is how I got here. <laughs> further, 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 further. And, and I was just waiting for the shot to go back to you and McGregor. Because <laughs> I wanted to see the look on his face. Just, and um, then I just go, yeah, yeah, you go, girl. You outsmarted him. <laughs> So, so much fun, man. And for a movie that has such a kinetic camera as well, the camera is always doing interesting things. The shots are so fun 
and funny to just have the confidence just lock the camera off and just go, no, Renee Zellweger is just going to give this three and a half minute piece of exposition uncut. <laughs> wow. So much fun. Wow. It's, it's thrilling and incredible. So good. Just... If, if you ever get the chance, uh, it reminded me a lot of a, uh, uh, a stage play called Boeing, Boeing as in a, like a Boeing 747. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a, a hot, uh, a hot to do uh, man who sleeps with uh, flight attendants um, because they're always like on a tight schedule. So he can get different flight attendants in at each time. And it's just like the zaniness that comes with it. It's, it's so much fun. It's like, it's such a good uh, comedy and just kind of like that high, high energy where like you, you need an intermission just so that way your audience can breathe. And it, it's just so much fun. And, and I, I'm very impressed that it, it, it only got 35 million because it just, and I wonder if this film would have come out like, I don't know, October if, or, you know, September, something just, you know, you could, that would have been a different could, reception. You could definitely push this as an Oscar movie. It would be an Oscar movie that doesn't feel like an Oscar movie. Uh, something that might play better now as opposed to when it did in 2003. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way that I can think of anyone going to see this movie because you released this in May of 2003. Like I said, who's going to go see this movie? And it's so heightened. You're talking about La La Land earlier. La La Land kind of cribs some aesthetics that are similar. I mean, just 1960s in general and kind of the dreaminess musicality of this movie. There's a literal musical number at the end of this movie because when you're watching this movie, it feels like a musical number could break out at any moment, but it never does. Exactly. the end of the movie. (laughs) And while La La Land has it's so much more accessible compared to down with love because the acting is a lot more naturalistic, realistic. The characters are not cartoons. This, these characters in down with love are absolute cartoons in the most fun way. Yeah. I think, I think this movie was made ahead of its time. Like just the wit and, uh, and the commentary too on uh you get you get the sense of of gender politics when it comes to sex and i feel like it would have done really well today and people would have perceived that yeah it's super campy but that's what's great about it and it kind of speaks this idea of i mean thankfully we as a society have moved forward with the idea that women can succeed in the workplace and they don't need to be married, to be successful. They don't need to be satisfying their husbands as their whole life purpose. So I really, I really liked what it was trying to say. And at the same time, like it kind of, I think what I really liked about this movie is I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm exactly a down with love woman, even though sometimes I feel like that when I date trash, (laughs) but I feel like I'm, but I don't want to get married right away either so I feel like I'm straight down the middle and that's actually I love how at the end Nancy slash Barbara you know she just reveals that she's actually a redhead or Mm -hmm. she dyes hair red because she's kind of just more straight down the middle and 
And I kind of related to that a little bit. It's, uh, okay, casting yeah. for uh, today's standards. Hmm. Go, what do you mean? Uh, for our two, our two leads, who would you oh. cast for today's, uh, for today's time? My mind, for some reason, goes to Darren Chris in the Ewan McGregor role. Uh, I think he would know exactly what the catcher block would be. Now, I don't think he's as big of a star as Ewan was in that time, but I think he would just pull it off with so much aplomb now. Yeah, I like that. Aplomb. Aplomb. Not aplomb. It's aplomb. I kind of think, okay, this is a spicy take. Ooh, hot. Hot take. I think Timothy Chalamet could have done this role. Because there's a little bit of Laurie. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about... I feel like if he was a little bit older, he could have pulled this off. Mm -hmm. If he's a little bit older, because to me, I see him and I just, I perpetually think he's like 13. Yeah. Yeah. He just just looks so so little. But he has that face that just makes him so charming. So I feel like in a few years, this would have been a really good role for him to try out. Yeah, I could see that. I'd try it. Give, Give him a few years. I'd see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think who would take Bar like who we would cast as Barbara. Gosh. Amy Adams? Sarah Paulson? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I mean I can see that. Just to Oh my gosh, hey. She's she's there. She's I don't know why my first two picks are Ryan Murphy picks. Uh, but I think that those two actors would, well, I mean, Sarah Paulson's performance already proves in, in this movie already proves that she knows exactly what to do. And I think she would be just as good at the Kim Novak, not Kim Novak, Barbara Novak. Uh, she's not Kim Novak. She's Barbara Novak, but really she's Nancy Brown, but she wants to be somewhere in between <laughs> Barbara Novak and Nancy Brown, but she ends up being uh, a Barbara Novak block at the end of the movie. God, that's so it would, that that part right there gets would get so appreciated in in audiences today. Yeah, it would be so appreciated. Yeah, I respect it. I respect it. Like it's my so good. My best friend, she hasn't changed her. She just got married. She hasn't changed. Olivia, changed, don't you mean he? Because me and Aaron are best friends. Well, <laughs> My other, my girlfriend, my my best okay. girlfriend. Okay, okay, okay. Good save. One Good of my save. best girlfriends. She recently got married earlier earlier this year, pre Corona. It's crazy. And <laughs> she, so, <it's> a... <laughs> yeah, she hasn't had time to like actually make this change because of the pandemic. But she doesn't want to change her last name to her husband's name. Instead, she, if anything, wants to hyphenate it. And then she said when she, if and when she gets her PhD, it'll be her maiden name because she's yeah. like, my husband earned this degree. I did. You go, <laughs> I girl. I respect it. Uh, uh, when I get married, I'm going to change my name to Catcher Block. <laughs> <laughs> but like so after you all married, so she's going to have to like keep Madison and you're just going to be Catcher Block. Yeah, no, I'm just, she's going to have to take my old name and then I'm just going to be yeah. Catcher Block. <laughs> what a great name. It. 
What a great It really movie. is. And then him picking Major Zip Martin as his alias. So funny. I love I love that name, Zip Martin, because Zip could honestly be a very southern name, if we're being honest. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like narcissistic at the same time. Like it's so good. Uh, him going that he'd like a nice refreshing glass of tang. <laughs> I I I that was so funny. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, and then Kedra so Block going, I haven't worn garters since Nixon dropped out. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's oh so my gosh. Funny. Speaking speaking of uh the socks, can we talk about the devil and Tondras oh. in the in the receptionist? Yes. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> let's do it. They're just going on and on about tube socks, and the receptionist is like trying to figure out she was supposed to call legal about something, and she comes across <laughs> what she overhears what's happening in the office, and it makes it sound like they're comparing <laughs> <laughs> penis sizes. It's just so <laughs> funny. Penises. Oh uh, God! It's so uh, so good. I I'm uh, what this movie could have been in 2017. It would have been great. This is that's what I'm saying. I think it part of the reason why it just didn't do well was because it was the early aughts. I think it really could have been something. Now, yeah. Hear uh, me out. Okay. Um, is because I don't really remember, but this is a very early stages of, of post 9-11 were we just wanting like easy real nice feel goody stuff and this was just Maybe. not digging it the, the thing that happened post 9-11 is that everything got grim and gritty and grimdark uh i think best personified with uh the christopher nolan batman movies they're mm. movies that are about a dude that dresses up like a bat and scares criminals. But for some reason, the thing that kind of popular movie making took away from that is when everything needs to be real and grounded in real emotion, I need to believe it, which is why the Marvel movies started the way that they did. It's about mm. uh, weapons industrialist that builds, you are with him as he's building a suit of armor that flies around and shoots lasers but for some reason it spends 40 minutes, 45 minutes trying to explain every single thing of wh why it works. Uh, Anti-heroes, you got Breaking Bad, you've got the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Mad Men, Sopranos is, I think, before 9-11, but it's around that era. Anti-heroes just yeah. come mm -hmm. into vogue. So all of the optimism... Not really, uh, again, in vogue. It's not popular. And I think we are probably, hopefully, potentially, possibly coming around in, in that trend now, especially right now. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone in the time of corona wants to watch grim, dark depictions of anti-heroes who want to watch something that's light and fluffy and nice and positive and optimistic but you kind of look at all the media that's been produced for the past 15-20 years like the most popular stuff it's just kind of sad and depressing I'm pointing towards an apocalypse and I 
there or, are very yeah makes you feel depressed like this is us <laughs> yeah so, y'all seeing this is us yeah no it's, it's like real it's mainly like real life drama but then there's a little bit of like exaggerating because like one of the siblings is a famous actor so there's a little bit obviously of stretching yeah. the imagination but suspending disbelief but um yeah i agree like, i feel like we i don't know if you about y'all but i know that my viewing habits i'm trying to go for something more light. Although my parents and I, my parents are watching Breaking Bad for the first time right now. So I'm watching that with them. Good for them. Yeah. But, but other than that, like that thing put aside, I'm kind of turning my attention to something just not so serious, something that can make me laugh. And that's why this movie down with love was a perfect treat for this quarantine. I had never seen it and it was funny. And so Kenny, thank you for, Bringing this one up. This is a great pick, Kenny. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I am a big proponent of... Uh, I think David Ehrlich calls it nice core movies. I don't know if this movie counts as a nice core movie, but stuff like Paddington 2, uh, I would count probably Magic Mike XXL as things that are kind of villainless, really nice... Well, except Paddington 2 has a villain, but things that are just nice and pleasant, and it's about... Nice people working hard and being nice. To and just telling people. a story. Yeah, and it's not dark and down because there's other ways that you can tell a story, but the way we've been telling stories recently here in America have just been like, well, it's not, you can't really regard it as legitimate art unless it's grim and dark and depressing. There's yeah. other ways to tell stories and there are other, it's a harder choice to try and tell a story that, has realistic altruism in it where you can be like I see the good in people and not have it come off as hacking but it, it, it exists it's out there I'm not saying that down with love is necessarily uh, that because <laughs> this is such a work of fantasy but it's out there we should be giving equal shrift to movies that are as optimistic and light and fluffy because there's value to those there's uh, the human condition is not just filled with moral grays and the complexities of trying to choose the right thing because people also choose to do the right thing every once in a while. Let's watch those stories, Aaron. I'm sorry. I, I just love The Dark Knight Rises so much. Uh, it's got hey, Bane. Bane. Bane knew about masks and knew they were going to be a trend. Oh, girl. <laughs> Very true. And he knew about social distancing. That man was in a cave for like 30 years. Yeah. He quarantined yeah. Gotham City. True. He, he had, he, you had to get your temperature checked before you could enter Gotham City, which was strange. It had nothing to do with his plan. Uh, you guys persuaded me Dark Knight Rises is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> let's play 16 stars. Yeah, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game, shall we? Let's uh, do it. The Rotten Tomatoes game is based off of the website Rotten Tomatoes, a film review aggregator that takes all submitted film reviews, averages them out by a pass-fail system that assigns a percentage on how many people might think a movie is either fresh or rotten. This is not a score that a film is X percent good. It is only a score of how many people like it. Uh, Olivia and Aaron, I'm going to be asking you for two numbers, uh, one being the critical approval rating out of 100% and the audience approval rating. Starting with the critical score, give me the guess without going under... 
Olivia out of 177 critical ratings. Olivia, what do you think the score is for Down With Love? I think... Let me finish it, without going under. I know. I always get confused with this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's... I think critics, like the review that you read earlier, I think they kind of shared a similar sentiment. So I'm thinking 50, 53%. 53%. Oh, shit. 53. Oh, man. Uh, Aaron, it feels like you had a strategy that Olivia just kind of challenged. Because I'm, I'm feeling opposite of how Olivia is saying. I, I feel like for the critic score, I feel like they're going to be a little more receptive to it and a little more appreciative of it is what I'm thinking. But now she's also got me thinking that they could have just thought this was a big old pile of stinky duty. So... Uh, 72%. 72%. I'm being optimistic. Wow. Uh, well, Olivia, uh, Aaron's optimism has paid off. Congratulations, oh, Aaron. Much. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is 60%. 60 oh, wow. So you're close to oh. stop going under. Uh, but the audience number could <laughs> be completely different. Out yeah. of 75,007 audience ratings. Zam! Uh, Aaron, what do you think the audience approval rating is of Down With Love? 45. 45%. Now, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but that's a lot lower than your previous guess. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people just going on the interweb saying, I didn't get it, and that's it. If they gave more than two sentences, I would be impressed. Uh, Olivia, you've heard Aaron's guess. You could give her different guess. I'm going to say 70% because I oh, think as time, yeah, I think as time has gone by, people have maybe rediscovered this gem during quarantine, much like Aaron and myself. And they probably think it's really funny. And people, maybe in 2003, some people, those people who are just super into film, really enjoyed it. So I'm a little bit more optimistic. Damn. <laughs> uh, great, reason <laughs> great reasoning. Uh, let's see if it paid off. Uh, Aaron, uh, you're going to be very happy because Olivia has pulled off the audience score without what going under. Uh, the correct answer is 62%. Oh, shit. Stop! Amazing! Still, uh, oh, oh, man. And as per usual, uh, whoever I, I gave my the last... Uh, <laughs> the last guess uh, has to pick someone that gives $30 that plays in the Rotten Tomatoes game. Now, uh, Olivia, you were the last person that won, and I put together the game, so I can't give $30. Yes, I think uh, it's going to go to my friend Baron Molinas. Baron Molinas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just, I, I said that last time, and Baron just keeps, you know, he just doesn't know when to stop losing. <laughs> He's just, you gotta, you gotta, Break out the bills, man. Yeah. It's funny because they called me Baron in college because I look like a bear. So, <laughs> but I've never heard Baron Molinas, and I really like that. That's my new alter ego. <laughs> Baron Molinas. We got to Photoshop Aaron's face on a bear. <laughs> oh, Baron Molinas. I'm so cute and fluffy. Look at me, snuggly wuggly. Oh, man. That, Any final uh, thoughts on Down With Love before we call it an app? 
<laughs> I got a I got a quote for like a podcast quote, a zinger. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> this one, as soon as I heard it, I knew this was the one I, I wanted to end the episode with. You were the best friend a guy with 20 diagnosed podcasts ever had. We've <laughs> been friends a long time. I knew you when you only had 12. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. That is a good one. Oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that was good. Um, I'd love to see it as a remake. Uh, I, I doubt it ever would be considered uh, unless <clears throat> unless the right people with the right amount of money come forward. But this movie was a lot. I imagine it was a heavy project. Um, so I don't know if anybody would want to undertake it again with no guarantee. But I love it. was a great film. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for letting me bring it to the table. Uh, go go see this movie immediately. It's it's absolutely delightful. Yeah, thank you, folks. Uh, that's thank been you. our episode. What? Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Hey, thank you guys, and thank you, listeners. You know, because we it's all for the fans. We do it for the fans. It's all for the fans. It's for the fans. You know, for you guys, the fans. It's for you, the fans, folks. That's been our episode of Shame Watch. Uh, thank you to Denise Hudson for our rock and theme song and to James Garcia for our artwork. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame Watch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Have suggestions, questions, comments, or general tomfoolery you want to contribute to the pod, send it our way. Visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Shame Watch Pod so we can talk with you. We are always looking for suggestions of what we should be covering on the podcast, and we would love, especially now, Tell us what we should be watching. What are some of your guilty pleasure movies? Let us know. Uh, finally, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash shamewatch. It does cost money to put out superb content like this, but so even a $1 donation can make a huge difference. And now, as per always, here are some of our wonderful patrons that donate to the podcast each and every month. Starting with, oh, what's this? Uh, Mr. Kenny Madison. Of Austin, Texas. Uh, Aaron Omar Salinas. Of Austin, Texas. Gene Fight. Of Bowling Green, Ohio. Alan Smith. Of Leander, Texas. Bradley McPherson. Of Tulsa, OK. Jennifer Steinberg. Of Austin, Texas. Heraclio Gonzalez. Of Austin, Texas. Ian Keegan. Of Gillette, Wyoming. Danny Cantu. Of San Marcos, Texas. Miranda Suarez. Of San Marcos, Texas. Becca Falange. Of Austin, Texas. And Irene Suarez. Of San Antonio, Texas. Outstanding, folks. Until next time, our watch has now ended. Uh, go down with love at your own risk. Yeah, that's, that's good, Kenny. Thank or you. download it, whichever you want to do. Download or go with up love. with chocolate. Oh, that was, oh, you're going to the chocolate. Even the chocolate looked good. Guys, Nazis, yeah, I mean, Nazis are I bad. We're good. Ha <laughs> ha